Welcome to the ShrinkThink Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to bridge the gap between therapists and clients. We are your companions on your journey to build your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've created a free email course on our website, shrinkthink.com forward slash awesome. Just kidding. (laughs) Forward slash podcast. We've got practical steps on overcoming fear and anxiety. Hey, thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Disclaimer and newsflash, we are not your therapist. Welcome to the game. We are just educating you and that is it. Do not take what we're saying as a life-changing situation. Please just enjoy the program, sit back, relax, and thank you for being here. Hi folks, Gordon Brewer here, and if you don't know me yet, I'm the person behind the Practice of Therapy podcast, which is part of the Sightcraft network of podcasts, and I'm so proud to be part of this network along with Aaron and Nathan and the Shrink Think podcast and the great work they are doing to help people in their journeys. And if you haven't discovered the Practice of Therapy podcast, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd love for you to join us as we explore the business and clinical sides of running a private practice. And be sure to check us out at practiceoftherapy.com for all the great resources and free webinars to help you in your own private practice journey. Hey everyone, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I am Aaron Potratz and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Nathan Hawkins. That's me. As always, we are thrilled, riveted to be here. We love this. We love doing our podcast. We love having you guys here. We love talking with you about all things Shrink Think. And today we've got another episode today. Hopefully, if you are driving in your car you know where you're going and that you're not lost. But if you are lost, then we will help you get found because today is all about finding yourself, staying connected to yourself and not losing yourself. Boom. How do you like that segue? Welcome to the shrink thinkosphere. I think that's a t-shirt, which it could be (laughs) if you go to the shrinkthink.com forward slash or is it backslash forward slash? I don't know. Your Swag. <laughs> What's the difference between a forward slash backslash? <laughs> it's got to be a, something, <laughs> something with it. Go to our swag shop. Our website, it's got a link to our swag shop. Um, you can buy all kinds of shirts, mugs, hats out there. Um, I'm wearing one right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, it says shrink thing. It's cool. Mm-hmm. My not. favorite one, I got to say, you are the biggest problem in your own life. I love that shirt. It's actually really, really, really soft. It is very soft. Yeah, that's great. So today we are talking about losing yourself and like how people lose themselves, whether it's in relationship or maybe just in the world. But it's probably more likely to happen in relationship because oftentimes when you're by yourself, you know yourself, you enjoy what you do, you know who you are, all that kind of stuff. And then as soon as somebody else comes into the room or enters a relationship with you, all of a sudden your attention moves off of yourself onto that person and boom, that's kind of where the snowball starts rolling down the hill and you start losing yourself. And before long, maybe it's instantaneous, maybe it takes a little while, but 
before long, you don't really know who you are, what you're all about, what you're doing, maybe even why you're doing the things you're doing because you've lost yourself. But you think you do. Boom. For a long time, my point is, you can go a long time thinking you, you're fine, you know, you're like you haven't done anything and everything's like, in other words, like no major thing has happened. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing big going on. You're just doing your life. It's when you kind of encounter like rock bottoms are a perfect example. Like you get to a place where you no longer know why you did what you did. You're like, why did I even do that? You know, like those are the places in my mind that I think where you start to wake up at some point you have to wake up to know kind of like look at why and what you did just to be clear i don't think we're saying at all that you have to hit rock bottom in order to wake <laughs> no. up i think that's a great example of when people do wake up there can just be like this sort of i think it's called depersonalization or derealization where it's like you're living at your life you're doing things but it's like you're not doing it's like you're watching yourself do it and you're you have the experience of thinking I'm seeing myself say or do this. I don't really know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it and it doesn't feel like me. Where this kind of whole concept comes from is I was uh, working with a person who made, I made the comment and I don't remember what had been previously said, but I made the comment, well, you don't want to lose yourself when, you know, and they said, they just stopped and they go, what does that even mean? <laughs> right. And I was like, I'm going to write this down. I see your mouth moving. <laughs> I hear noises. I don't comprehend that. <laughs> well, it's like, and when, when they said that, I was like, man, that is such, I don't know why, you know, we as therapists say this, but we never actually talk about what we're talking about. And, and we see it all the time as well. It's like we, we can, we have these people in front of us and we know them. And then they're telling us the story about how it's unfolding. And we're like, I'm literally watching you like walk <laughs> out of yourself. Like your body, your corpse is a door and it opens, right? And you're walking out of it and your body just flops to the ground. Like, oh, and you're gone. That was really dramatic. <laughs> but it's like, well, our listeners need like a visual, right? Like they got to hear like, this is what we're seeing. And it's like, okay, you're no longer yourself. You know, it's or, or it's like the uh, Mission Impossible. You know, it's like you remove the mask from your face and it's like <gasps> scooby-doo who are you yeah or scooby-doo yeah. for, our, for our younger listeners <laughs> younger <Or> older listeners <laughs> has to be younger. like nathan i mean older anyway so let's talk about like what is self and what does it even mean to be connected to yourself to know yourself to be yourself and then we'll talk about how do you actually lose yourself or prevent that from happening so i want to hit this two ways we've talked about um self and other context and i think that we we didn't focus on it at all like we're doing right now so on from a biological standpoint um the neocortex we've talked about that in the, the top, brain in the brain top part of your brain it's like if you were looking at a brain which you've which probably if you've watched movies at any point in your life where there were horror or whatever you've seen like this wrinkly brain right like it, those wrinkles the wrinkles themselves or not the wrinkles themselves, but if you were to if you were to grab somehow, be able to grab the top, the tippity tippity top, and stretch that part taut so it's tight, it would be as thin as a credit card. So <clears throat> the reason why that's important is because that that teeny tiny layer, um, which by the way is cool for other reasons, even the one I'm talking about, is basically what we understand to be our mind. And, and it's more complex than that because your frontal 
orbital lobes are heavily involved in decision making and your free will, like what you do with that. But the neocortex is where we reflectively think. It's where we wonder. It's where we imagine. It's where we organize. So it's when you're in your head and you're having those conversations in your head, it's happening from there. And part of that is the other interesting component from a physiological side is that when you get stressed or you get, and it can be any kind of variant of stress. And when I say any kind, I don't mean any stress at all causes a problem. For you, it's subjective as to what causes this problem. Like, like in, every individual has their own limit where all of a sudden you could end up out essentially of your neocortex where you are in the other gray matter of your brain, so to speak, which are all those trillions of neurons and connections that are already made from other life experiences that you've had. And so they're automatic. They're essentially thoughtless. It's like you already know how to eat. If you are older than like four, you know, or three. Not, not to exclude our very, very young <laughs> clients who don't know how to talk yet. <laughs> no, yeah. Stay ah! <laughs> Hopefully not that young. Although, you know, hey, we'll take the listeners. Start listening now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, because you just automatically like take your fork and you don't think I'm going to put, take my fork and put it in this food. You're not even thinking about what you're doing when you're putting the food on the fork. Most of the time, it's all automatic. So when you get into those automatic places, your mind's in a lot of ways already organized that years ago and been like, that's the way we do that, bro. We just do it this way. And, and when we move slowly over into psychology, so we're moving away from the physiology and the psychology, that would be your unconscious. That would be the stuff that is just like in the fog that you're not directly thinking that you're going to do. So those things all together are essentially self. It's like self is this calm, like it's this curiosity. Remember the reflection thing in the neocortex? That's curiosity. And I'm ripping off Schwartz, Richard Schwartz here big time, because I think the brilliance of his work in internal family systems is itself like basically establishing that i picture like a four-year-old kid five-year-old kid who's looking at a water drop on top of a leaf and it's you know and the water drop is just sitting there and he's look he's just mesmerized by it going what in the heck trying to understand that he's engaged with his creativity he's engaged with curiosity he's looking for clarity he he knows he knows he's totally present and it's like when you are like that and you are okay to express whatever your thoughts are in that space. You're just going to express them. You're not going to filter them. You're not going to think, well, I better not say that. When you're in that space, that would be self. Ever felt like you needed someone who really gets what you're going through? Meet the Peer Network, where real understanding meets genuine support in mental health and addiction recovery. So what is peer support? It's a powerful connection with someone who has walked a similar path. Our certified peer support specialists have their own stories of overcoming challenges in mental health and addiction. They're here to share, listen, and guide. With the Peer Network, you're not just getting advice. You're gaining a partner in your journey, someone who empathizes, relates, and helps you navigate your path with their first-hand experience and professional training. 
Through our telehealth platform, this support is as close as your phone or computer. It's a safe, confidential space where you can talk, learn, and grow, all at your own pace and from the comfort of your own home. Whether you're seeking support for mental health challenges or walking the road of addiction recovery, the Peer Support Network offers a hand to hold, an ear to listen, and a heart that understands. Visit thepeernetwork.com to discover more. Your journey is unique, and so is our support. The Peer Network, empathy in action, support in every step. So in other words, first of all, if you have the top part of your brain, you haven't lost that. Um, First of all, if you can touch up there and there's no... (laughs) slice shaving off of your head your skull and it's still there you're like okay i must be in self or i have the ability to be in self so first of all so the if, ability, any, yeah. if you're walking around and you see somebody with that sliced off you might want to let them know hey i think you might have lost yourself buddy <laughs> yeah. um, i don't know where it is but follow the blood trail <laughs> exactly but also note don't look up and try to find it because you won't be able to see it. <laughs> um, second of all, what you're saying, <laughs> essentially what you're saying, like experientially for our listeners, if you know, through all of that is uh, I think if if I am calm, like I'm relaxed and it doesn't mean like I'm tired, I'm chilling, like but I'm relaxed in myself. You know, there's stress, there's focused and then there's just relaxed. Relax is like, OK, go with the flow. Somebody can say something. You're like, oh, that's interesting. You don't you're not like having any big reactions to anything. You don't have any um, immediate emotions that are happening for you. That's not to say you don't have any emotions, right? Because you could be feeling things contentment probably. But you might be curious about something. I'm, I'm imagining like uh, being at a restaurant and sort of observing the people, the surroundings around you. And you might be interested in like, oh, I wonder what those people over there are talking about. Like you might be in self if you're you know, experiencing that or if you're like you said, if you're being creative, you're at this dinner, you're joking around, laughing, having a good time. You don't even know what time it is. Maybe even um, in some senses, you don't even know how many glasses of wine you've had. And that's not to get into, you know, you're an alcoholic kind of a thing, <laughs> but it's just more like, man, like I just haven't just been being there. I'm just being here. I'm just enjoying this and having a good time. And again, that's not to say that every positive experience means you're in self, um, although that might be the case. Well, let's take one example, the idea of courage. So with courage, but you are not you probably don't feel like this relaxed, calm vibe when you're using courage. But what you are doing is you are you are going to be who you know yourself to be anyway. Whatever the whatever you're encountering from a threat standpoint, whatever you're encountering, whatever your perceived moment that you have to overcome is you are going to intentionally stay in the space of who you are. You're not going to say, like, I don't believe this or I don't believe that you're going to say, like, I free, I do believe this. And, I, go ahead. I, I love that. I Actually, that's a great description because I think we're adding you're adding on to this experience of self. That's not just calm, cool, collected kind of a thing, but it's also what you're describing is like I've had these experiences where. It's like there's a decision or it's like, I'm not sure what to do in this situation. But when I talk to friends or if I like go inside myself and I'm like, what's really important to me? And I'm like, you know what? Uh, Just caring about the person or being kind in response is like who I am. And I'm like, I don't really care what the right thing is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
I just know that for me to respond with kindness or compassion, that's who I am and who I want to be. So I'm just going to do that. And whatever happens is going to happen. I feel like that's self because that's a huge part of who I am and how I operate. And I'm really unashamed and unafraid to do that and be that anywhere, anytime. I think of the the word judgment comes to mind in the way of it's not like that you are internally judging yourself. It's that you are responding in a way to your own judgment of what you've determined based yeah. in your moral values and all that kind of stuff. And you're going to own it rather than mm-hmm. um, responding to judgment that you have experienced from others in, in the way of like, this is who I need you to be. This is who you are. I'm only with you because you X, Y, Z. So it's like cl- it's like clarity and discernment. Mm-hmm. You're, you have clarity inside of yourself and discernment about who you are and what you want to do and how you want to operate. Right. So if you take take this kind of principle, which, uh, you know, as we've roughly defined self, I know it sounds like I'm saying roughly or like, dude, you've been talking about this for like 15 minutes. It's got to be better than rough, bro. Uh, but yeah, you went into the neocortex <laughs> credit card layer. That's a little specific. Yeah. But I think a scenario that comes to mind is this idea. If you let's say that you have you've lived some life you're in your, your mid to late 20s and you run into somebody that you haven't seen since high school. And they remember who you were in high school, you know, like the things you would do, the things you're interested in. Now, as human beings that have any kind of wisdom at all, no one's going to expect you to be the same person in the way of like, you have some wisdom now. There's stuff you don't care about, but that doesn't necessarily change who you are. So if this person that you met, um, like you were radically different from that, they'd be like, what? Like you've had a faith change. Or um, I'm thinking in terms of negative would be you've partnered with someone and you are just different. And they're like, what's go- what's going on, man? You know, you used to blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't like that anymore. Well, what, how did you not like that? You know, when, what happened and what changed? And you can't really say anything. You can maybe trace it back to a time frame, but as they are putting this towards you, you're also realizing you don't really know why, like you don't really know why you did that or don't do that now. Um, you remember liking it because it feels fresh because this person is looking at it through the eyes that you had back like 10 years ago. So you can touch it. You can be like, oh, my gosh, I do like that. And it can create some some interesting space. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the scene in The Lord of the Rings where I think it's in movie two where uh Fro- where frodo is talking about um the creature smeagol who was like a hobbit and he murdered his friend for this powerful ring right the one ring that to rule them all and and uh and then he just started like you know obviously like obsessing over this thing and over time they show him like deteriorating and moving from smeagol who was just a hobbit guy to this gross creature, Gollum, you know, Gollum, Gollum, gross. Um, and, and like over time, it's like he had, he had lost himself. And there's this particular scene where I think his Frodo says, um, Smeagol, that's what they called you, you know? And then he, he's like, Oh, Smeagol. That's right. Oh my gosh. I haven't heard that name in years. Whoa. That was like a world away. How did I get here? Who am I now? It's like this realization of like, I've lost myself, but it happens so slowly over time. And so let's let's move into just the, the last bit of time we got for the episode here. Like, how do you lose yourself? Um, 
and what does it mean? What does it look like to lose yourself over time so that people can spot those instances? Yeah, I think um, what I was in in the session in which all this stuff kind of occurred to me, what I was realizing and trying to explain what I meant, what was meant by that is it's this idea that you're making the decisions for your life nearly a hundred percent based on what the what another person wants. You don't care if you want it. You're not attached to whatever this thing is. Um, and the, really, the only reason why you're doing it is because it feels um, like you don't want to experience probably the disconnect from the other person. Um, you, but, but the problem is, um, you might say to yourself stuff like, oh, it's okay, it's no big deal. But you don't want to do this thing at all. And in light of that, what ends up happening is you've just made an incremental change. It's like you've compromised yourself or... Maybe one way of saying it is you taking a step away from yourself and that one step might not seem like a big deal. But if you do that again and again and again, you've taken steps, you know, several steps away from yourself. At a certain point, you're so far away that you can't even find yourself. You don't know where the self was or went. Right. Because you just have taken those steps away. And I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. I'm just showing like when you take that step, that one incremental step, it leads to a pathway that loses yourself so what you have to do essentially is you have to be engaged like you have to it's there are some things that you know that are that are actually no big deal like um, we talked earlier in an episode you have to be responsible to someone not for them so you aaron was pointing out that like oh if i don't didn't realize that you you know i can't remember the example that you needed that i'm happy to do that that's not a big deal. That's in, in the, the bounds of who I am. I'm a person who cares. So that's a way that I can care, you know, that type of thing. But if you, for example, are a person who likes to go to the movies and you're dating somebody who hates movies and they, they're like, what were you going to say? Okay. I'll go to the movie. We'll go. Well, sure. I'll go to the movie. And you I'm not going to be very present. <laughs> I'm kind of like sort of there, sort of checked out. Yeah. And in that way, what they're doing is, is they're trying to get you to shift in the way that Aaron was doing that shift from liking the movie to liking what they like. So now it's not okay for you to like the movie. It it's uh it's like, if you want to stay with them, there's this vibe that's like, well, maybe I'll just go to less movies, you know, like that's where it starts. And then after a while you realize like, I haven't gone to a movie this year. You know, that's the, the incremental type of change. So we're not, we're not saying um, like, okay, there's a specific rubric for self that like, if you don't do it this way, cause you are the only you that exists. And the, the thing that it blows your mind, actually, when you really start thinking about this, it, we found this out in twin studies, there has never, ever been a you before, <laughs> like, and there never will be another one. It's crazy. You literally are, are showing what you, who you are to the world and literally no one else can do that. So you want to take that serious and, and think, like, yeah, who, what do I actually want in this scenario? And why do I want that? Am I doing that only because this other person wants me to? And, and if that's true, is that still okay? Like, cause it might be, it might be like, okay, they want, okay. Like, yeah, I can still be me and, and get behind that. That's kind of exciting. I like that. Yeah. There's, there's an interesting way of, of thinking about that. And, you know, I think, I think we might actually just um, extend this episode into two, because I don't want to cram this into this one short episode because there's a lot to say, I think on this um, now that we're unpacking it. So 
hang with us. We will continue this episode into another one and flesh out a whole lot more what it means to lose yourself. But the thing you're saying right now, I think that's so tricky is it's possible to do something that you may not necessarily enjoy or may not be your favorite thing to do, but you can find a way of being yourself and enjoying what you're doing while being yourself, even though it's not you. And sometimes it's like you engage in something that you haven't done before and you're like, oh, wow, this is really great. You know, as you're learning it, you're like, oh, I'm not sure about it. You or maybe it's a food or an activity. You try it and you're like, actually, I really like this. And maybe you integrate it into yourself. Um, that's one possibility. That's kind of like a, the most, you know, the, the best case scenario possibility. But that's less likely. You know, maybe it's that you engage in something and you realize, you know what? Um, that wasn't my favorite thing, but I had a really good time. You know, I was able to be myself. I, you know, was laughing and making jokes and I was able to connect with the people that were playing and I didn't like some of these aspects of it or whatever. But like I was still able to be myself. That was that's the tension between doing something or engaging in something that might pull you away from being yourself. Right. Like you don't like it. You don't want to do it. It's compromising you in some way but you found a way to still be yourself or protect yourself inside of that experience without losing yourself. Hey, have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode. We have the second half of this episode coming up next week. So stay tuned, but still have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.